0: Welcome to the Ride With Us podcast, presented by the American Coaster Enthusiasts, the world's largest ride enthusiast organization dedicated to the appreciation, promotion, and preservation of roller coasters around the globe. So please keep your hands and feet inside the podcast at all times as we welcome your hosts, Jessica Gardner and John Davidson.
1: Although he might be better known as Mr. Print My Ride, the coaster community would like to welcome Matt Smizer to the Ace Ride With Us podcast. Welcome, Matt, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Really Appreciate it. Well, before we start about the models and where we're going, can you just back up a little bit and tell us where your coaster passion started?
0: Yeah, my interest for roller coasters have been, you know, around since I was a little kid. My parents would always take me to Cedar Point, Kings Island. Um you know, all the all the major amusement parks near me. I'm, I'm from Detroit, so think of like a little radius. I went to Michigan's Adventures, always, you know, into the coasters. And I was always into, you know, how they worked from a engineering perspective of, you know, just not necessarily always going on and just like riding them and enjoying them, but also, you know, taking a look around and seeing how stuff works. And, you know, always, I always found it fascinating because there's nothing really like it in the world other than, you know, at an amusement park, and then they all work and function differently because they want to be more excited than the other one. So I've always been fascinated ever since I was a little and still to this very day.
1: So you're looking at the coasters as you're in line and looking at the lift hill and saying, OK, gets the momentum here and how's that work? And how's Oh, this work? yeah.
0: That's how it started as, you know, from the fundamentals. And now it's just like, OK, what type of mechanisms, what, you know. Type of you know subsystems if it's pneumatic, electrical, whatever, and just kind of really diving into it got you into engineering. Yes, absolutely. So let, let's start
1: there. Let's fast forward a little bit to your college project because I think that might be how I first came across one of your videos, and um, that was I don't know how early in your career it was. You can like fill us in, but you uh, tackled building
0: a 3D model uh, with a 3D printer. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I had a bunch of projects and whatnot. But um, I went to Purdue, and actually, my senior design project was making an automated pizza slicer with our team, which is a lot of fun. And then after that, while I was getting my master's degree, I um, you know had access to SolidWorks and was thinking of you know just fun things to do, and I made a three D printed model, a working model of Invertigo, uh, based off the ride at Kings Island, and I really enjoyed it. And there was really no reason to do that other than I was like, I w- like you know I see people. And this is like back years ago when 3D printing was just getting out there and I had saw I like I saw like all sorts of like different models. I'm like, no let's make a roller coaster. Like why not just take a stab at it and see what happens? So just just take a stab at it. Okay. Yeah. So I
1: actually so you're gonna have fill and things. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you so so you you did which piece first? The lift yeah. school, the lift tracks and stuff? Or
0: no, I actually just 3D printed the loop first because I was like, this'll look cool on my desk and you know, just sit a little loop. And I did. And I'm like, you know, I'm not too far off from just building the whole thing. Might as well. And so I you, I, you went from the loop to I might as well just do the whole thing, huh? Yeah, it was small enough that I was like, this is small. It was fit on a sheet of plywood. It was four feet by eight feet for the footprint. And I was like, let's just take a stab at it. And and which opened up a Pandora's box of problems because when I printed it. Um, nothing, you know, I tried to like put the little car down, nothing worked like the tolerance and the gauging was all off. Like everything was a mess on it. And I was like, oh, that was a bummer. And then I had this giant model that didn't work. And I'm like, well, that's also kind of lame. Why would I spend all this time making something that didn't work? So obviously I tore off all the track and then reprinted it. I think I built that model technically four times in its entirety to get it to where it was working. Wow. That's, uh, that's some
1: dedication there. Four times.
0: Yeah, but it didn't really feel like work. It was just like, oh, that didn't work. Let's just try another thing. And it's like, you know, in your spare time, I had a lot of spare time back then. Now I don't really have as much as I wish, but I was like, ah, let's just try it again. And then you design it for a few weeks and then it takes another few weeks to print it. So you're just kind of playing babysitter, watching the printers and then you assemble it. And that's where it's kind of fun. It's like a big Lego set that you've designed. And then when it doesn't go together, like, wow, what idiot designed this? Like me. (laughs) But you know how to change it exactly yeah which is why you had four iterations so obviously
1: everything can't be made out of that plastic uh that the that's used in the 3d printing
0: so like what how did you tackle the lift hill yeah no that's a great point so i like to think of the 3d printer as a tool in your toolbox so you 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 just use the best tool for every application and best use for it so um, specifically on the lift hill, originally, I had just used like regular connects chain linkages. And then, um, you know, the motor was just a DC motor, but that that kind of evolved into actually using a real bike chain and then using um, a high powered DC motor with a gearbox, which, which then evolved into using some servo motors and the actual track, the running surface itself wasn't even 3D printed. It was actually butyrate tubing, um, to reduce friction. So, you know, as you kind of go through the the design phases of the model, it's always changing.
1: I think anybody listening to this right now, it just says whoosh, right over their head. So, so yeah, it's, um, it's a bit so, to it. So, so just for, so everyone recognizes, um, Invertigo is uh, a boomerang where the seats face each other, right?
0: Correct. It's an inverted shuttle boomerang coaster made by Vacoma.
1: All right. Yeah, getting the the coaster coaster nerd clarification there, and then you talked about connects a little bit. Uh,
0: what, what's that? So yeah, like I um, let's let's. So this is before Invertigo. This is like back when I was a kid. I I love roller coasters, and I wanted all of the connects uh, models. So I had the Scorpion, that Rocket one. I had the original connects roller coaster. Like I had all any, any roller coaster I came up Connects. I had and I'd play with them. So obviously, I, uh, the Connect system is basically just like Legos, right? You snap the pieces together, you can build everything. And they had a really good ecosystem, um, you know, in the toy market for a roller coaster. So I think the Scorpion was probably like the best, most popular one. And so I've always... Yeah, they were, the, they were like
1: the only one, right? They were like the only toy kind of roller coaster build it thing.
0: Yeah, I think back in the day, they were like the only one that was legit that you could actually make like a uh, um, you know, a realistic model. And I think... Maybe like shortly around that time, I think Coaster Dynamics came out with their Scorpion. Maybe it was a little bit after. Uh, wait, did I say Scorpion? Maybe it was Screaming Serpent. I get them all mixed up now. Who knows? But the point is, yeah, it's a roller coaster. I had a bunch of parts laying around. So I was like, let's just see if we can fit it because, you know, uh, why not use off the shelf parts? Um, but then what, what I realized is the weight of my train to keep the momentum was actually pulling the linkages apart, the plastic ones. So I had to switch over to an actual bike chain.
1: The the whole thing just it's mind-boggling. So, uh, so about how long? If you did four iterations of it, ish, about how long did it take you start to finish to to tackle this project?
0: Yeah, I think I started the project in 2016, so that's like six years ago, and it finished, or I I got to a point where I considered it complete. The winter, springtime of like 2017, somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly, but it took probably eight months. And I'd say the first two months was just me playing around, having some fun. And then the last two months, like hardcore every day, just trying to figure out how to just, you know, put this behind me.
1: (laughs) Uh, I love, I love how you, uh, wrapped that into your school also. So a fun learning experience, right? Absolutely. All right. So you get out of college um, and then how do you pivot? Because I know now you're known for a lot of different things, not building a roller coaster out of 3D printing in college.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it, it's all, everything's always happening. There's always, it's not just like linear, it's always like complex and whatnot. So like I got my bachelor's degree um, in 2012 and then I, you know, it was just like every other kid just trying to find any job necessary. Like I, I wanted to, design roller coasters. But there was always something that was like, preventing me either it was just like, you know, where it was, or, you know, who was hiring. it's always about who's hiring at the time. And so um, I actually got my first job at Ingersoll cutting tools. And I was doing the design and FBA work on subtractive manufacturing. So cutting tools, so like mills, lathes, brooches, all that type of stuff. And um, eventually, I got a job at the Ford Motor Company, and I worked there for seven years. And while I was at Ford, uh i wanted to get my master's degree so i went back to purdue while i was um at ford got my master's degree in engineering and then after that stint now i'm at at gm doing more of the the creative side so i guess the, the whole point of me even saying all this is there's a lot going on but the point is um i think and then maybe it's a message for the younger folks it's like i always thought i was like i need to get in my dream career like now it's like now well, at the time, it sounds so like annoying, because everyone's like, nah, i be patient. Like, I eventually got to where I wanted to go. But you know, you kind of have to, you know, just start out with, you know, what you can get and then learn. And then eventually, you will build a network of people that know knows what you can do and offer. And uh, like, now I can almost do any type of thing I, I want to do, because I know I can do it. And I have a network of people that, you know, I can go to, it's like, Hey, do you need X, Y, Z done? And they know my capability. And now, like I said, it's not really linear. It's now, it's just like there's always stuff coming at you and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And, um, I love cars and coasters, so it's been working out really great. (laughs) So, so in that
1: example, you, you already knew new additive, So you learned subtractive and then where did that get you into doing the cutouts of the wood structures so you could start building the models because it seems like somewhere in that you must have gotten is that is that led into from your from your
0: subtractive um (laughs) yes but no there that's a whole separate we're gonna go take a different (laughs) path to get there you're totally Um,
1: simplifying this john no you are i mean so where does uh that's okay you know uh it's so where so where does that start to to come in, because I think a lot of the coaster community probably knows you
0: more for the wood models. Absolutely. And that's really what's kind of blown up my popularity, which has been great. So let's go back. So we're going to go way back here. Um, and everything ties together. There's not just like, it's just like, this is some miracle dream moment. It was, it was always, you know, constructive and formulated. So if we go back to the Vertigo, that model came out. I got this wonderful once in a, so when that came out, I just, I'm going to take on a long story, but we'll come back to the cutouts. <laughs> no, I, I like it. Oh. I like it. Walk us along. Okay. Walk us okay. along. So, so in Vertigo happened. I got, I put a video out on YouTube. Um, I had a couple of interviews on some other uh, websites that were really great. So I got the, it got the message out there. It's like, Hey, this guy can 3D print a working model. Well. I wanted to get a picture of the model next to the real ride at Kings Island. So I reached out to Kings Island and I was like, hey, can I get a picture next to the real ride? And at the time, I don't think they really had um, someone that was actually like like a point contact. I don't, I don't, or I couldn't find one that was obvious. And um, I just went to Cedar Point because there's a really loud and uh, very vocal and prominent figure there. And I was like, hey, uh, can you just get me in touch with someone? And they're like, hey, this is cool, but can you make us one? And I was like, uh, Sure. and it's 2017 so what's coming out the next year it's like steel vengeance so cedar point asked me to make them a model of steel vengeance and without even thinking about it i was like oh yeah of course let's do it i'm not gonna say no like this is like the dream place and the dream people and the dream team and making the dream right so. about
1: all the work and the 17 iterations it was gonna take we'll figure that out later
0: you just you know it's you get one just shot Jump at this. in both feet oh yeah i well, which now I'm just like that was a stupid decision, but it worked out well. So, I did I did a model for Cedar Point. It's a Steel Vengeance model. It's actually in their arcade right now. It's a it's a sitting static, but it, it is huge. It was basically you know Cedar Point wants bigger, better, taller, faster, and they got it from a model standpoint. But while I was working on that model, there was a lot of people taking pictures, posting um, social, saying like, "Hey, this guy's making a giant model of this ride." And one of the people that messaged me was, uh, Coaster Dynamics and actually specifically Jack that was over there. Uh, they took interest they're like, Hey, what are you like, you know, working on and how you, are you going to make it work? And they're asking a bunch of questions. And I was just like, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try my damnedest to get this thing single work. Um, you know, and I put, I think between my wife and I, she was helping me. I think we put 4,000 hours into this model. So it was definitely Ooh. a love project, wow. passion project. Uh, but you know they wanted something cool, and I was like, I'm going to make my mark, however I can do it to the best of my ability. But that 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 got their attention. And what happened is, um, I think just in the conversation, Jack was asking, he's like, hey, what what you know program did you use to design all this?" And I, I said, "You know, well, I got I got the ride uh, configuration from the park, and then I went in SolidWorks, redesigned it so I could 3D print the parts, laser cut the parts, and then actually, you know." make a model that's engineered to fully go together correctly. And they're like, oh, well, we use SOLIDWORKS too. And kind of near the the middle of that project and closer to the end, they asked if I could help out with some of their nano coasters, because I guess, you know, um, and this is, you know, like five years ago, this is a while back, um, they were just getting bombarded with park requests. And um, one of their engineers was, you know, trying to, you know, complete all of the requests of it's like, you know, they, they need to design it. Then they have to get it to their manufacturer. Then they have to do packaging. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into them. So they're just looking for help. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help out. Like I'm, I've used, Sol- I've used SolidWorks every day for like, I think now it's going on like 12, 13 years. So it's, it's like ingrained. So I actually started doing nano coasters with Coaster Dynamics. And I think now they have over like a hundred and eighty of them, something insane amount. I think I've done like maybe like fifty or sixty of them, so um, you know a third of them maybe. And so I developed a really good relationship with them. So I'm designing nanos, um, and you know they're just you know pulling my chain, getting me all the hard ones. But uh, I, I really, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. I, <laughs> I really enjoy doing those. Those are actually a lot of fun. I I actually did them more so um, at the when we were doing them. I was just like, can I at least get like one of the samples? And then I realize I'm like, I ran out of space for all these. Like, don't send me anymore. It's okay. Um, but the point is, I was doing nano coasters for them and I loved every second of it. And then, you know, the, the gears started turning where I was like, you know, I want to like start getting back into making models of whatnot. And I actually started making these large scale uh, 3D printed ride vehicles. And I was showing those off. And I, what, what I did is I did a, a 112 scale b and invert and then a B&M hyper. And I actually took those to a few shows and I actually took it to SolidWorks World and a Formlabs uh, User Summit. Um, So those were all over the US and a lot of people saw these models and they were really big, highly detailed, all 3D printed. There's two things that came out of that. One is how, like, and these are not even coaster people. These are just like normal engineers, you know, scientists, CAD designers, you know, all those people. They're like, hey, How much would you charge for one? And how could I get one of those? And I was like, oh, well, this is like 3D printed. And if I was to put a price tag, like just for like one car, I'd say like $500 because of all the design time, the the material cost. And these are printed on like, you know, SLA machines that take, you know, the expensive resin. And I was like, dude, just the amount of labor that goes in. Like, these are technically priceless. Like, I don't even want to make another one. I'm just showing, you know, it's like the real thing. It's like, they're just so expensive and just so... Unique. You don't mass produce them. Well, when I was at SolidWorks World, one of the pr- uh, people next to me was like, "You know, well, if it's so expensive, why don't you just use a laser cutter?" And I was like, "You, you're onto something." And so at the conference, I think we're down in Texas. I went to my hotel room and I just sat there on my computer and I redesigned that hyper car that I had there. Three, I just redesigned it to be laser cut. And then we fly home and I laser cut one. I was like, "This is so cool!" and And wood is way cheaper than 3D printed materials. You can laser cut way faster than, um, you know, 3D printed. 3D printing is a really slow process. And I was like, dude, this is sweet. So then I did a hyper, I made a PTC car, and then I'm already working with Coaster Dynamics on the NAS. I said, hey guys, what if we not only offer the park a layout of the, the ride, but now you have the ride vehicle as a snap together model. So you still are constructing the ride in a different medium with, um, you know, a different, you know, aesthetic to it. And uh, yeah, Jack was like, yeah, let's let's float it to the park. And then I think, I think he, he went to Cedar Point because I think I had a, a Millennium Force one because I love Millennium Force. So I obviously did it. And they're like, yeah, let's, let's do this. How, like, what when do we get them? Like tomorrow? Like they were on board in a second. And that is really what started the coaster okay. cut out. All right.
1: All right, you get so a slow down just
0: the tad, right? That's how we got so here.
1: <laughs> go go back to the laser cut. So when you wrote, you're you're on the plane, you're heading back. What what size model did you do the first cutout on? Because to picture everyone's in your head, are we talking like a small, or are you talking like a
0: full eight eight by four foot sheet of plywood? So um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. So for the cutouts, the ones that are sold at the parks and the gift shop, like This is the cool thing is we, you don't don't use
1: the full sheets of plywood for the one that they sell at the gift shop.
0: Yeah. Well that actually, so after that, you know, let's go back talking about Cedar point being bigger, better, faster. So they wanted big ones, like huge ones to like draw people in. So I was like, Hey, you know, we fit ours on a six inch by 12 inch sheet of wood. And I was like, if you, you know, just blow that up eight times, that's, that fits on a sheet of plywood. And I was like, and so if you've blow it up eight times, we're at one eighth inch, Um, plywood then it's obviously one inch so i got a bunch of sheets of one inch plywood that are full sheet threw it on my cnc router um that can fit five by ten and then we just went to town just routing out the same path as the laser cutter so basically we did a giant one the same way you would make a little one and then the only difference is i glued it together to hopefully keep it you know all in one piece and those are at Cedar Point. I know that there's a Steel Vengeance cutout, giant cutout in the gift shop next to the ride. There's a Millennium Force one on the Frontier Village. And then there's a Maverick one in their gift shop by the um, uh, the ride photo booth. So those things were a lot of fun. And I think the park was like, we'll put these out there and people are going to buy them. I'm like, no one in their right mind is going to buy them because these things weigh, like, think about it. Each one takes four sheets of one-inch right. thick plywood and I think each sheet apply with like sixty to seventy pounds. I'm like each model is over 200, 300 pounds. I mean, you can't move the thing easily,
1: but you might have um, a
0: coaster, but cool
1: coaster bar that once, once one for their lobby hey, or something.
0: If a coaster bar wants one, contact me. We'll see what we can work out. I've had I've had a few people ask me. The problem is, is it it takes a lot of time on the router, which um, I don't mind doing. It's just uh, one of those like I just got to be fully committed and and roll with it so you yeah you probably do it so you'd, I'll, you'd I'll be like the forward. one ta- person talking talk like two three days or no i think those models took like two to three weeks um because the router is wow slow. yeah you're cutting through like one inch thick material so you have to do multiple passes per part and then once you get the parts out i like to just sand them and kind of finish them up and then um instead of them snapping together um you you don't want this giant thing falling apart so what i would do is get wood glue and make sure it's all glued together so it's not coming apart so like it's very labor intensive and this thing is almost it is so close to being like one to one scale so think about putting together an actual ride vehicle full size like that's what you're really dealing with so you can't do it in like a day it's like week like a week or two it's almost like the off season at a park where you're like doing maintenance on a ride you have to throw it all back together
1: uh, well, anybody who's tried to put together some of those nano coasters can probably only imagine in their head what it would be like to try to put
0: together one in your life size. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? everyone's just like, my fingers hurt. It's like, yeah, my hands hurt and my back hurts, and like you know anything else you put together.
1: All right, so so going back before we leave the um, coaster cutouts, so you said you've done fifty. So when so you started just introducing the
0: ride vehicles also and and yeah, uh, so it kind of just yeah. branched off from there absolutely yeah so like the 50 was like the the nano coasters and and i've lost track now but that was where we were at the time and i have kind of stepped away from that because i i really am invested in the coaster cutouts the coaster cutouts i need to double check because i think i counted at one point where we're at but really once the once the floodgates opened like i was designing like Every night until actually like all like all nighters going crazy because I was like we need to we need to hit this hard while the iron's hot because oh, yeah what's going to happen is once everyone starts getting these the the fire will kind of dwindle a bit but um I I couldn't even put a number on how many I think I have like a picture on my Instagram of like all the the box arts we had at one point I got to go count those I I can't remember off the top of my head but uh yeah we went crazy with the cutouts and we went to all the parks and started. You know, you know, I'm sorry methodically. It's like if you have a nano coaster, why wouldn't you want a coaster cutout with it? So you have the no, layout of the ride, the upsell, right? Yeah. Then you have the ride layout. And the cool thing about the coaster cutouts is they're all made at Coaster Dynamics in Virginia. So it's all American made. Um, which, you know, I think is very cool for two reasons. One, um, you know, bring back US manufacturing, but also two, we can turn them around really quick. So if we get an order. It's really waiting for me to design it and then getting everything set up for production to get it to, you know, Jack and his team to go and make them. So we can turn around things really quickly, whereas with the Nano Coasters, it uses a special uh, manufacturing process that's, you know, it takes a lot longer of a lead time. So we can be very agile and nimble to get, you know, product out when, let's say, a park just says, hey, we have a last minute event. Can you get us something? Like, well, let's see what we can come up with.
1: Wow. So, so what do you think? Uh, start to finish from uh, like a sample. If a park asks you, they reach out to you today and say they want this new coaster nice. that they're working on right now that hasn't been released yet. And they give you the secret blueprints.
0: Oh, yeah. That, that, ha- which is so funny because half the time they'll like, give us something. I'm like, dude, the pictures online are way better than what you're giving me. <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, like I would say it, it's a learning process because if you were to ask me like, I think when we started this, like in the pandemic, like two years ago, it was like, hey, we wanna do X, Y, Z ride. I'd be like, okay, first I just have to think, how do I put this together to make it look aesthetically pleasing? And how do I make it not only aesthetically pleasing, but how do I make it to put it together? And a lot of things we learned is like, you can't have like, there's like now guidelines in my mind of like, well, you can't make parts too skinny because they'll break. There's inconsistency in the wood. What's a raw material that you know you know forms naturally? So it's like you can't always get a uniform product, like you know material like acrylic, which is always the same density and everything. So there's a lot of factors. So like when we first started, it took a long time. It's like what am I doing? But after doing you know these for two years and doing just you know hundreds of these, now it's like it's almost like muscle memory. It's like well, I'm going to do it this way. I already know how to like connect pieces. Half of the problem was just like how do you take 2d planar sheets of wood and make it three-dimensional and look like it that, like half of it's just me just sitting here thinking like well how am i gonna do this <laughs> like that's how it was now it's just like oh i, I kind of have it down Dude. right
1: so you just i'll let you just look at a car and you're like okay i know that i'm gonna copy this angle from this thing i did that and
0: exactly and, uh,
1: this is something we're just gonna burn in or laser
0: etch instead of trying to recreate with wood and exactly so originally i think some of them took you know three to four weeks to do like one lead car that was a unique one so it's like three to four weeks and that that was that was long now if a part comes to us like we need a car you know as soon as possible i can give them something in a week easy um and that that's just mainly because we've done so many it's like well i already have done a million bnms a million intimins a million ptcs like Um, we just got, you know, a Mac Gerslauer, like I'm almost running out of manufacturers. So it's like you take like the chassis or the frame of it, and then you're just kind of tweaking the nose, but zero car, um, you know, you, you kind of already have a foundation to build off of, you know, the gauging, you know, how you're going to put parts together. So there, there was so much learning and so much work that was done originally. That was like, dude, I went from three to four weeks of just like I'm working just as hard. It's just faster to turn it around because you've already done all that legwork before. Yeah. But it's a
1: similar ride vehicle as one you did over here. And then you can kind of exactly Exactly. Sorry, not steal, reuse
0: your own model, right? Exactly. Yeah. You're just reusing. But then, see, this, this is limiting because now, as I said, we've done so many that parks are like, well, what's the next thing we do next? And then you get these crazy things like, uh, let's go back to Cedar Point because they just always want to be better than everyone else. They come in like, can you do like a Millennium Force lift hill? I was like, what? Like, how do you want me to do that? Um, But I love Millennium Force. It's my favorite ride. So like, we're going to make this look good. So uh, we've made a giant coaster cutout of the lift hill that you assemble. And there was no reusing anything. That was all from scratch, limited edition. And it is, it's it's, big, it's prominent and it it just it's kicks butt. like it sits on your desk and it's like that there it is it's like giant model and then they get other parks that are saying well what else can you do and next thing you know we're doing we're doing boats this year we have it's like the year of the locomotive we have locomotives coming out kings island's got their locomotive uh dollywood just came out with their locomotives and that's the funny thing it's like well you can't just do one you have to do the other ones and it's like kings island they're both relatively the same the Dollywood ones are very different and they're they were like poking at we need to have this detail and that detail and i'm like i i, I you know i went to purdue i guess i'm a boiler maker now i'm freaking designing trains so here we go i guess this is going to make it like all circle you're back. right it
1: all kind of like all kind of turns around <laughs> I don't so, so has it ruined it yet like is the ace envelope come and you open the magazine you look at the pictures and you know it ruins it for you because you no. can't look at a picture of a coaster without thinking
0: about how the model is going to be created. Oh, no, I love it. I, I still get a kick out of it. I'm, I'm still just like, you know, reading through and trying to get up. Because like, at the end of the day, the, the, the reason I did this is like, because I always wanted to design real roller coasters. And I always wanted to get into it. And, and I think I just used the models as a stepping stone because I would always see my, my mentors and the people that influenced me. Like, like, I made a model and I got in the industry. It's like, well, I want to do that. But I need, to, I need to put my own twist. I need to bring value, right? And then now it's just like, yeah, like I can thumb through the magazines and be like, no, this is all cool. And like, I don't get like jaded or anything. I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm still involved. And I found, I just found my own little niche of a way to, you know, enjoy the, the, you know, enthusiasm and passion of coasters, but then also not be so. If you love it, then why would you, I mean, if you love it, why change it? Exactly. like I And the cool thing is, it's like, you know, some people always say, well, it's not a real roller coaster. It's like, yeah, but there's less flyability. And I've worked with almost all the parks at some capacity, at least, you know, in the U.S. So in my mind, I think that was the biggest one. Like I we got the Velocicoaster cut out, which, you know, working with Universal was a treat. Um, so I could not be happier, really. And I get to work with, you know, Jack and yeah. Coaster Dynamics. It's like I grew up, you know, being like the kid that wanted to buy the kit. And here I am now, like, you know, a, the the kid playing with, you know, the uh, coaster cutouts. So it's crazy how it all comes back together. All right. Well, we can't leave
1: the interview without uh, congratulations on your Kickstarter getting funded, but that's not really coaster cutout or anything related. Oh, yeah. No, th- thank you so much. So that, um, you just, just like, you just can't have like an idea that spr- sprouts out of somewhere, huh?
0: I got so many ideas, and the thing is, is like they're they're very unique and they're very like just quirky and off the wall. So yeah, uh, uh, what happened? So, Let's was, talk
1: about the restraints real quick. Yeah, Your yeah absolutely. Kickstarter.
0: Yes, absolutely. So I'm just I'm just trying to wrap it all like where did this all start? Because it was goofy. It was just like I think I have a, I have a list that of all the different things I'm like, we can make this like a product and would people want it? And then like, I kind of throw it out there. Like, would you be interested in like a restraint, like a little foam restraint stress ball? And someone was like, that's ridiculous, of course so. And I was like, okay. And um, what I did is, you know, it, it all kind of just, you know, builds off itself. So I I went to a supplier that makes stress balls and I was like, hey, can you make like a unique one if I gave you a tad design? And they're like, sure. So I gave them the CAD model and then they came up with a a mold, a tray, all of the the manufacturing, you know, the equipment that they needed. And they're like, yeah, here, we can make you a few samples. So I threw over, you know, a few hundred bucks that they needed to make the samples and uh, they made me some and they got to me. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. It's so dorky. It's, you know, uh, a little restraint stress bot. It looks like a, a hyper... BM's uh lap bar. And um I I actually um you know I was talking to the coaster dynamics guys about it I was like what do you think this would be a valuable product or a viable product? And I th- and we floated it to a few parts, and I think the the consensus was too big and it's too hyper-focused. It is hyper-focused on the enthusiast and not like a general. Um, you know, uh, guests that would come in that's, you know, there to see the park, there to go on the rides, not necessarily die-hard enthusiasts. And I was like, yeah, you're probably not going to sell enough of them. And then the other problem is to make a small quantity, it just increases the price. So when you think a stress ball, you're like, it costs like a couple bucks. Well, that's when you're making hundreds of thousands of them. But if you're making 100 of them, or 200, the price goes way up. And then you're like, this doesn't make sense. So I did a Kickstarter just to see. And that's the, like, I love Kickstarter for that because this is the first one I ever did. And it really tests the market to see if what you're coming up with is even something the market wants. And so I was like, I got a a small audience, but I was like, let's just take this independent. If the parks don't want it, fine. We don't need the parks, but maybe someone out there will do it. I already spent the time and money to get these. If, if, like, the dream was just get these out there because they're cool and fun and adorable. It shows that I have interest in making quirky stuff that people can't get. And then on top of that, if I break even, I'm happy. Like, then it's just worth it. And honestly, I just love coasters anyways. It's like, it's not even like, it's just another passion project. It's like, if I could just break even, I'm totally happy. So we did the Kickstarter. It got funded. I have 90 backers. And right now, the manufacturer's already done. Like, so what happened is the project got funded in one day and they're like, um, uh, the project got funded one day. I'm like, we did it. So I just, funded the supplier the second day so in the video i was like yeah it's going to take a month of production well we did that month of production during the kickstarter which i heard you're not supposed to do but i was like i'll just fund it anyways um and and so like i I still haven't even gotten the funds yet from the kickstarter um but the product's going to be here next week so i'm going to be a month ahead of schedule by the time and by the time you air this so that's like
1: the reverse of a normal kickstarter i know it's supposed to be like three months behind schedule
0: I was just so geeked. Like, yeah, they like, I went against the grain because they're like, you need to wait until, like, and just for anyone interested in Kickstarter, once you get funded, you still have to wait for like two weeks after the Kickstarter to even get the money to then go and kick off, which like, you know, I didn't know that. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, it gets funded, they start it. Well, you, you don't actually get them the funds you, you know, raise until two weeks after. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, at the at the time of this conversation between me and you, I still haven't gotten paid, but we're, like it's going to show up next week, which is so cool. And
1: but to your this, point, you knew people were interested. You knew there was some coaster enthusiasts exactly. that are excited
0: about it. And and, and that's it, that's it, awesome. And I see this is, which is why I'm a terrible businessman because when I was talking to a the supplier, they're like, how do you want to ship these? And I was like, they, they are made overseas. And I'm like, dude, just ship it by air. Like, get it here like now. So I paid an extra 200 bucks to ship it instantly or uh, it, it was going to take a much longer the other way. So well, yeah,
1: it's going it, to come it, on ship versus air.
0: I would, but rather, they are, they are light though. So yeah, that's true. I would rather the customer be delighted than just be waiting on me and being like, where is it? Cause I think long-term if, if I can make this Kickstarter a success, if I come up with other wacky ideas, then it would just, it would just be a testament that, hey, Matt is doing this because he really enjoys it. And he thinks that this is something cool. Um, and then if people know it's like, hey, I'm trying my best to turn this around and actually make it worthwhile, then I think long term it'll just, it just you know, it's a good impression on people. And, and I'm not here to like, you know, make millions or whatever on coaster stuff. Like I have a day job that does you know just fine for me. and I really enjoy it. I love it. Everything I do here is just strictly out of my interest, my excitement, passion for it. I just love it. And there's a bunch of other ideas that I I will be doing Kickstarter in the future. And I think this is great. And you know what? Some of those kickstarts are going to totally flop and people will be like, this is dumb. But that's the point. And we will try and see what happens. Like, I'm already excited for the next one. Um, And I guess a spoiler since, um, you know, you're you're talking to me is I want to try doing some sort of project that entails a coaster wheel. Because all I've ever wanted is, you know, they see these uh, auctions where it's like, hey, it's some, you know, ride wheel from a ride, You know, like here you you donate or get into this raffle for like a couple hundred bucks and you can get one. Like, well, I don't have a couple hundred bucks. And then they're only giving off like one or two of them. And it's like, dang. And they're crazy heavy. Yeah, exactly. So I was thinking of like a small, like fidget spinner type one. So that's kind of like the next idea brewing. Um, But we just need to sort out the logistic because with those, it's going to be a lot more expensive and way more unique, almost as unique as a real one. However, I don't have like a set quantity I have infinite quantity. It's just, are you interested in, in getting it? So that, that, uh, successful Kickstarter, uh, well, it's, it's not done yet. Cause I still got to get the parts, uh, probably next week. And then I got to go through and ship them out to the 90 individuals that funded me. So first off, shout out to all the, like all of the people that supported me. Thank you guys. Uh, you are the heroes for making this happen. And I really hope you enjoy your lap bars. If you ever get stressed out, you can just squeeze the crap out of it. Um, but uh, because of that, um, and I hope, you know, we get them to everyone soon, I think you'll just open the doors for other just quirky one-offs. Like, I'm not going to be, I can't quit my day job from this, but if I can do something fun and cool that interests me, I just want to share it with everyone. Well, Matt,
1: I think everyone listening can hear your passion. And I think that's awesome. And I, th- and I love that you're not just throwing ideas out there. You're actually executing them, finding next steps, uh, and talking about how people can find something tangent or learning or something to move their career along. So hopefully you inspired some of these future coaster enthusiasts who might be in school to uh, branch out and think about some other options. Because I, I I loved your, your walk of learning uh, through the creation of all of this stuff that you're doing. That's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate. it. Yeah, like when I was going through school, uh, I, we we don't really dive into it, but like I kept on running into these roadblocks of like I want to be a roller coaster designer. It's like, well, you can't because of X, Y, Z reason, or this, or there's no jobs, or your GPA is not good enough, or you didn't take this class, or you don't, you weren't part of the club, you didn't go to IAP. But like, there's always these like reasons, right? And all I wanted to be is just like the, you don't, you don't need these people telling me what you can't do. It's just you can do whatever you want to do and whatever you focus, you know, your attention on, like you can do it. I think it just takes dedication and just perseverance, just keep going through it. And I like I, I post YouTube videos as much as I I, I keep saying I, I post, but it's like, I don't have enough time to but I, just showing you know, what I've done my process, some of the tips and tricks I've learned, so that people can apply that to whatever projects they're learning that are trying to accomplish. And I think the point is, you know, if I had any advice for the younger audience, it's just, you know, come to the table with some value show case your work and it doesn't have to be a coaster model. It could be anything. They're like the industry is so vast. Like you can do, theming, marketing, uh, you know, business. Like it, it, just everything. There's everything there. It's not just engineer. I'm just an engineer. As I said, when we started, this, I, I want to see how stuff works. But there's more to the industry than just that nerd. There's there's so much more. And I think if you just come, you know, with you know a portfolio of what you've worked on and, and showcase that you are you know totally vested. That's what you need. People will see it. And people will just, you know, get energized from it. So that's that's what I got. <laughs> awesome. Those are
1: fantastic party words. Uh, thank you, Matt, for coming on the Ace Ride With Us podcast. And uh, links to your social media will be in the show notes if they want to try to get in contact to you so they can have their own full-scale model of one uh, of their favorite rides lead cars in their bar. Jessica, do you know where in that interview I had no choice but to think about you?
2: Why? When?
1: At the very end, where he started talking about a coaster wheel fidget spinner, I couldn't help but remember when you and I were going through trying to figure out which rides, which wheels went to, and you, like, totally geeked out about it.
2: <laughs> that was at the Macklin Wheels booth at the IAPA Expo. And yeah, we really had to drag it out of them because it's proprietary information, right?
1: <laughs> Just in. <soon>. Just soon. <laughs> Let me start talking about that. I can't help but think about how Matt had these opportunities and these crazy ideas and how he made them work. So, although that coaster wheel fidget spinner is not at all a product and he's nowhere close to starting on that, I just thought back about how he's going to have to cross all those little small bridges as it gets closer and closer to figuring out how he can bring you that wheel that you've always wanted from that coaster that you're crazy
2: about. That's very mysterious. They'll all have to guess which wheel that is.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I didn't have any wheel in particular, but I just remember you were talking about all of the different rides for all the wheels. And and it's just funny because like for us coaster enthusiasts, who would ever in their right mind think that we we would actually want a wheel off of a particular ride or a particular coaster? But um, what do you think the percentage is?
2: I think well, cold. we want to make sure that the coasters have all the wheels they need first and foremost. Oh, <laughs> yes. I very much was fascinated by all of the different kinds of wheels at the Macklin booth and learning about um, what type of ride manufacturers use what type of wheels. And yes, I definitely think you got to hold them and like mess around with us. So yeah, it was really cool. So no no used wheels, listeners. No used wheels. All just models of ones that they actually use.
1: Duh. Maybe. Too funny. But, and then do you have any coaster models, the wood ones, either a skyline or a big car or anything like that?
2: I don't. I don't, I, I don't. I don't
1: either. I know a ton of people that collect them. I've seen a ton of pictures of people putting them together. I love doing the Legos. And we talked a little bit about the earlier version of Legos, which is the Connect coasters, which is how he got started. And just, it's just, it was just so fun to think about somebody who has just started that and how he, Never could make that his career, but he's close enough that he still gets all of his hobbies and it's still just such a passion. So if you've got an idea like that, if you know somebody like Matt who has an amazing coaster story or a cool thing that he went down the rabbit hole on, you need to reach out to us. Jessica, how do they yeah. reach out to us?
2: We want to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at aceonline.org. We are also on Instagram at ride with Ace, YouTube, and TikTok. Ride underscore with underscore ace.
0: Ride with us he is produced by the American Coaster Enthusiasts a registered 501c3 organization. Visit aceonline.org for additional information and we will see you at the parks.